I am thrilled as I look forward to this day and what God has for us. Our speaker this morning is Dr. Charles Ware. You're going to enjoy, be thrilled, walk away just talking about his message through the day. I've had an opportunity to hear him preach already this morning. What a great man of God. I first heard Dr. Ware several years ago and was looking forward for an opportunity to hear him again, and here it is today. Dr. Ware comes to us as the president right now is where he is serving in Indianapolis of Crossroads Bible College. He has been in that position now for almost 20 years. Also served in Indianapolis as the pastor of Crossroads Bible Church. Recently, lo, the Lord is using him out of that pastorate as a speaker across the nation, across the world. He graduated from college in Pennsylvania in 1972 with a degree from Baptist Bible College, went on to seminary, a capital seminary in Washington, D.C., and then received a doctorate from Baptist Bible Seminary. He also has uh, then gone on to serve on numerous boards. Listen to how God has used him in his influence. He serves on the board of the Association of Biblical Higher Education, Anchors Away Ministry, the Governor's Advisory Council for Community and Faith-Based Initiatives, the Urban Foundation in Indianapolis, the Board of Reference at Smyrna Ministries International. He's on the board of Association for Baptist for World Evangelism and also on the board of Baptist Bible College and Seminary. He's the author of numerous books. Several of those are on the back table, and you ought to avail yourself of those. Probably his most influential and most acclaimed is Prejudice and the People of God. I'm holding one of the newer works, Darwin's Plantation, Evolution's Racist Roots. Also on the back, Don't Just Marry One, Interracial Dating, Marriage and Parenting, and a couple of CDs that he's going to tell you about, especially the one that doesn't take a PhD, The Cure for a Culture in Crisis. And uh, you'll get to hear more about those. I've asked him if he would tell us about some of those writings. He's coming to us alone today. His wife, Sharon, of 37 years, is back in Indianapolis. She has court duty this week. He also fathers six children. I've asked him to tell you a little bit about his family. Great preacher. You're going to enjoy him. He's going to challenge your hearts this morning. Let's welcome to the pulpit Dr. Charles Ware. Amen, darling. Well, amen. It is a pleasure to be with you. I have been looking forward to this opportunity, and uh, the staff has just treated us royally. They've contacted us, got everything planned out. I've been well taken care of. Now, also, before I start, I, I want to mention this. You need to be back tonight. I'm going to be back tonight. When we got the uh, brochure of the speakers, my wife and I, I said, Dave Trevecki's going to be there. I said, I'm going there. I'm going to stay over. I said, man, I'd rather hear him than me. So, uh, so I will be back tonight. So I'm encouraging you to be back. My family was ministered to. I never met Dave, but uh, his book, uh, our family was ministered uh, through that. So I'm excited about what the night's going to bring. I am delighted to be here. Uh, my wife Sharon and I, Sharon, godly woman, prays everywhere I preach. She prays, so she's praying for you. And um, we have uh, six children. The oldest is Kristen. 
Kristen is uh, living in the Indianapolis area and works for a compensation insurance company. She's got employee of the year uh, two or three times, a godly young lady. We're excited about her. And, and then next is our son, Tim. Tim, um, he went down to Memphis, Tennessee, two years. He taught in a program called Teach for America. And then this year, he opened up his own charter school. They just opened this the first year for that. And then um, after him is John. John's my money man. He's in New York City, Manhattan. He works with a group that builds power plants around the world. So uh, he brags about, yeah, well, the president of the World Bank was here and the president of the country was here because we just opened up. I'll just tell him, why don't y'all send me some tithe money? That's what y'all need to do. Uh, But um, that's John. And then we have um, uh, next in the line would be Matt. I'll talk a little bit more about Matt. Matt's a quadriplegic. Uh, he uh, broke his neck in 1998. He lives with us. And then uh, Karen. Uh, Karen graduated from Indiana University with four majors. She went on and got a master's in art. She spent two years in Gallup, New Mexico and Teach for America. And now she has just taken a teaching job in Colorado Springs in a charter school. And then um, finally is, is our youngest, Justin. He's 18. He just graduated from Heritage Christian School, and right now he's at Crossroads Bible College. Crossroads Bible College, our mission is we're training Christian leaders to reach a multi-ethnic urban world for Christ. We believe very strongly in the Bible, everything Bible. I don't want to hear nothing that's not Bible. Uh, But we want to be multi-ethnic, and we want an urban emphasis. And we're about 52% white, about 40-something percent uh, black. We've got uh, some Latinos, got my first Japanese gal. And uh, I tell them, I want some more Asians. I want some more Latinos. I want a little bit of everybody in here. I told them, when they get to heaven, I don't want you confused. Say, where were you down there? (laughs) Yeah, we all get so... um, so Crossroads, we're trying, to, we're trying to get it done. Uh, we are Bible college, and m- uh, most of our majors, you know, urban ministry, biblical, urban biblical counseling, we're very strong biblical counseling. We had a major in that. Uh, elementary school teaching, pastoral missions, uh, those type of things. But we've also created a couple of um, partnerships. We have a partnership with Indiana Western University, a Christian liberal arts college in the area, about 13,000 students. And then Taylor University, uh, Taylor's been ranked number one for the second year in a row of private uh, uh, colleges in the Midwest. And we've got articulation agreements with those, or setting up articulation agreements, so a student can come to us one or two years, and if they want a broader degree, they can articulate into one of those schools. We also just established a partnership with Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Evans has a national ministry called uh, National Church Adopter School Initiative. He's asking local churches to adopt public schools and uh, provide mentoring and create relationships with them. He's done it in Texas for 19, 20 years. They've got about 60-something schools they've adopted. He has a curriculum. He got a book training book about yay thick. Uh, everything's in it you can think about as far as getting things done right. Well, we have taken his curriculum and put it into a three-credit-hour course. Uh, he asked us to do that. The only college he's asked to do that. He was in Indianapolis June 18th speaking for a launch of that and then had a training, uh, not a training, like a little introduction to the training that was to be July 31st. The next day on June 19th he had. And the director 
for public instruction for the state of Indiana was there. And he had to leave a little early, but, but we were talking about the training coming up July 31st. And he leaned over and he says, can public school administrators come to this? And I said, yes, sir, they can. Uh, he said, what it costs? I said, well, it costs something, but I'll raise the money for it if they want to come. We had six come, but he's pushing it through the whole state. He said, this we need. We need the churches in our public schools. So praise God, we're working on that one. Amen. We, um, we also have been blessed that uh, Tony Dungy, the former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, have allowed us to use his name. We have what we call a Tony and Lauren Dungy family of scholarships. All of our unfunded scholarships are, are come under that. We just accepted a young lady from Haiti, and, and obviously you know the devastation of Haiti, so we, she's fully scholarship, everything we're doing. But, so we're trying to get people to give at least $30 a month. You can go online and, and, and donate online if you want to mail something to college. Trying to get $30 a month to help build up that Tony and Lauren Dungey family of scholarships as we try to help students through. Um, if you would, while you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, I'm just going to say a couple of things about uh, the DVDs and, 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 and things we have on the table for sale. Um, the uh, book was mentioned, Darwin's Plantation, Evolution's Racist Roots. I try to tell people Darwinism has social implications. If you buy into that worldview, it has so- certain things. It affects the race issue also. And uh, in that book, we're talking about all of us came from one blood. We will also talk about the fact that that evolutionary thinking worldview was used by Hitler to justify uh, the Holocaust and other things like that of being there. Uh, I write a chapter in there about grace relations. We're talking a lot about race today in our country. But you got to understand, if you just emphasize race, you might get in that shame and blame game. But as Christians, we deal with grace. It's the grace of God. That's what's brought us together, red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor, suburban, urban. So that book hits that. The, the combination deal here is one, it doesn't take a Ph.D., Romans 1, uh, 17 through 32. Three times in that text, God says he gave that society up or over. I go through that text and then compare what motivated God to give them over to what's happening in America. I think there's a dramatic parallel I think that America's real hope is for repentance before God and seeking his face for intervention. And I think you'll find that there. Amen. And the other DVD that goes along with that is uh, called uh, Preach the Word. I preached at David Jeremiah's church, I think, a year, about a year and a half ago, just before uh, they voted on Proposition 8 out there. And, and how should we as Christians respond to a culture that is corrupt? Second Timothy 3 and 4, we're supposed to preach the word. Uh, I encourage you to get that. Uh, by the way, I tell these DVDs in living color, you know what I mean? You can, sit, you, you, you can get them and you can send them to your friends, send them overseas, use them for Bible study. In fact, people say, man, I'm scared to talk to people. Just say, come in and listen to this fool. I never heard anybody like him. <laughs> oh, well, I don't, you know, hey, use them, send them around for the glory of God. Then we also have a, um, a CD out there. I just preached at Derek Jeremiah's church two weeks ago called Special Forces for the Savior. Uh, military, Navy SEALs, franchise sports players. I'm looking for those kind of people to serve God. Uh, God, we need some special forces for the Savior. Uh, people who are not wimps, but people who want to get up and be a minority and do what God wants you to do. So that, that will be uh, a good one for you. And then Just Don't Marry One has about 17 
uh, people that are all involved in interracial marriages or families. And this is for the families, not just marriage. So it talks about kids and all that stuff. You get uh, I, my article in there has to deal with counsel to pastors who are trying to pastor multicultural interracial families in their church. So I trust you get those things. And my passion is to get the word of God out to honor the God of the word uh, that we might see people transformed for his glory. I was interviewed by a, 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 a paper in Indianapolis, and um, the first question that the interviewer asked was, um, so why is Crossroads Bible College here? What are you doing for the community? He says, I mean, put it this way. If Crossroads Bible College were to dissolve, close, what difference would it make? Who would miss you? It's a pretty good question. It's a question that you and I should raise about our lives, about our families, about our church. Why am I here? In fact, some of you struggle with that question. Why am I here at this particular time? It is so dark. Politics are dark. Morality is dark. The economic situation is dark. The educational system is dark. It's just a dark time. Why am I here? In fact, some parents and some grandparents are, are thinking, well, but, 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 but my child, my grand, I wish they were born at a different time. I don't know what kind of world they're going to grow up and face. It's a very dark time. Why am I here? Why is my child here? Why is my grandchildren here at a time like this when it's so dark? It's a good question. In Matthew chapter 5, the Lord Jesus Christ answers that at least in part for his disciples. In the Gospels, we have the Gospel of Mark that emphasizes Christ's life around action. The Gospel of Luke emphasizes Christ's life as a son of man. The Gospel of John emphasizes Christ's life as a son of God. And then Matthew. The focus of Matthew is the Lord Jesus Christ as the king. In the book of Matthew, we have what we call a Sermon on the Mount, Matthew uh, chapters 5 through 7. It's the most comprehensive collections of the teachings of Christ in one spot. We start off here in Matthew chapter 5 in what we call the Beatitudes. And, and as he walks through the Beatitudes, he comes to an application or, 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 or an answer to that question, why are you here? He uses two analogies, one, you're salt, and the other one, you're light. I want to just say a few things about uh, the, the context of the, of the Beatitudes, because I'm not going to take time to, to land on that, but here's some things that you can look at when you study through it. The Beatitudes, the blessedness, the blessedness, blessed, 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 blessed. Blessedness is a state of peace and contentment given to us by the grace of God. It doesn't mean your circumstances are always exciting. 
doesn't mean you, doesn't, you don't suffer. In fact, he talked about being persecuted for righteousness sake. But it does mean that there's something that the Spirit of God does in the life of the believer when they live God's way to bring a blessedness. And one of the things that if you study this, you need to look at this blessedness has to do with kingdom character. It's a lifestyle. As I read it, you should pick that out as I read it here in a moment. But also another thing I want you to note, this blessedness is internal outward. This blessedness things like being poor in spirit, that mourning, it, it, it's, it's, it's your character. It's the inside. When God saves us and indwells us by the Holy Spirit and transforms us by the grace of God to make us in the likeness of the Son of God, he's doing it from the inside out. You don't need 15 laws to make you do right. Just sound doctrine or teaching make you do right because you're saved by the grace of God. He's changing you. You got a different motivation. You want to do right. And then another thing I think we need to hold on with these Beatitudes is that it applies to every believer. Every believer. This is not just preachers and and it's every believer. I want you to keep that in mind as I read through this and land on the text that we want to spend our time on this morning. Matthew chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden on the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, one of the purposes we left here, one of the purposes that Christ tells the believers, the reason, the reason you are left here, you are living, you are living in a corrupt society, and we can talk about the corruption and talk about it from any area you want, but God says one of the, one, you are here as salt. Salt is a preser, pre, uh, preservative. You and I are to preserve. We are to stop the moral decay by our life, living differently than those around us. The salt, the salt. And I'm not going to talk about the salt. I'm going to talk about the light this morning with you. Three things I'm going to talk about. One is the nature of the light. What is this light? Secondly, it's the positioning of the light. Where, where is the light supposed to be? And then thirdly, the purpose of the light. Simply cursing the darkness is not going to get the job done. You and I need to realize that, that God in his sovereignty, his providence, he had us born in this generation. He had us, had our families are a result of his sovereign control. And now that we're here, we need to ask ourselves the question, given all the problems we see and the darkness we see, so why are we here? And, and, and first of all, I want to just mention this to you. We are the light of the world, but what's the nature of the light? Light was a familiar concept with the Jews. Uh, it, it's talked about in righteousness in the Old Testament. It also is mentioned as them being the light to the Gentiles. That is, they were a nation under God. They had the laws and covenants of God. They were to live that out so that the world could look at them and understand what a nation was like that lived under the laws of God, knowing his presence, his promises, and his power. They were the light to the Gentiles. It wasn't a new subject to them. I also want you to note that light is used figuratively of the character of God in 1 John 1, 5 through 7. John has two, two major themes. One is God is love. The other one is God is light. In 1 John 1, it says God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He who says he has fellowship with the God who is light and walks in sin is a liar and deceives himself. Light clearly in that context has to do with the holiness of God. It has to do with the character of God. It has to do, it has, it, 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 it has to do with, with all that is righteous and right. It's God's character. Light is also used figuratively of Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. It's also used figuratively of the gospel in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. It's used figuratively of Christians in Ephesians 5, 8, Philippians 2, 15 and 16, 1 Peter 2, 9, and in our present text. In this particular text, I believe very strongly, light is character. It's the Beatitudes. Uh, light, when, when, when God says, says, you are the light of the world, God says, you are representing me as individuals who repented of their sins, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and dwelt by the Spirit of God, living your life in submission to the Word of God. You are, wherever you go, you are light because you're living for me, not for this world. Character. But I want to hasten to talk about the positioning of the light. The text says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it on a bushel. One of the things that disturbs me so much in the world in which we live is that Christians seem to be afraid. 
it, it's so dark. It's so dark. Oh, oh, my kids, are, my grandkids. Hey, you, hey, maybe your kid will be a Moses. Maybe they'll be an Esther. Why don't you ever think about that? Moses wasn't born in a time when everything was wonderful. When Moses was born, they were having infanticide. They were killing, they, they given a law to kill the male Jewish baby. When Jesus was born, they wanted the male babies killed. You and I are to be light. That is, we, we, this, some of you out there working, you say, man, I can't wait. This job, I'm the only Christian here. They cuss out here. They sleep around out here. They vulgar. I'm, I want to get off of this job. Why? You're the only Christian there. <laughs> be light. The place is dark. They need a little light. Shine. God. God is not afraid of darkness. You talk about politics, you talk about school, you talk about your workplace, your community, education. God's not afraid of darkness. In fact, God says, I didn't save you that to stick you in some corner. You're like a city on a hill. I didn't light this candle to stick it on a bushel. I want you out there. I want you in the arts. I want you in education. I want you in politics. I want you everywhere. But I want you there as light. The positioning of the light. God sovereignly is positioned. God has saved us and gifted us and called us. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you and I, we need, we, God, I tell our students all the time, God's not afraid of the inner city. I know some of you are. I mean, I get a little cultural thing. I didn't say this in the first service, said it in the second service, so you get it too. I charge you an extra dime for this one. Let me tell you something. People get in the car. We're going down the city. Oh, be sure you lock the doors. Oh, we don't break down. Can we keep driving? Just drive through. No, don't stop. Don't stop. Hey, I understand. The city can be dangerous. But the same people take me out in some country in the woods. There's no light out there. And they say, oh, brother, where? God's creation. Ain't this wonderful? No light but the stars. You know what I'm thinking? The Ku Klux Klan probably in them trees. Get me back to some light. Sight. Sight. But, but, but see, but we just have to trust God. The light. Put the, put the light where the darkness is. Don't be afraid. Listen, I'm God's man. God's taking care of me. Yeah, wherever God wants me, that's where I need to be. We, we not, we not, listen, God didn't save us to hide. God didn't save us to run. God saved us to put us out and demonstrate. Listen, if you're in the medical field, God wants people to see this is the way a Christian does medicine. If you're in the legal field, God wants people to see this is the way a Christian does legal. If you are in politics, this is the way a Christian does politics. Whatever you're in, wherever you are, God wants you to live as light. You're so scared about. Man, people, y'all just worship. You worship human beings too much. Oh, it's an athlete. Oh, entertainer. Oh, I'm just so honored to be in their presence. I asked the Indianapolis coach one time, can any of y'all show me a football player who was, who is, and who is to come? <laughs> See, in Revelation, my God defines himself as the God who is, who, who was, and who is to come. 
I said, until you can find an athlete to fit that description, I just soon worship God. Thank you. <laughs> Why y'all so scared of? People going to say, they're going to do, who, who are they? Man, I got God. Kids get all excited. I preach a sermon once in 45 minutes, pouring my heart out. This little young fellow run up to me. I just didn't hear a word I said. He come up, ooh, did you see Michael Jordan last night? He said, Michael Jordan went up for shot, man. He put the ball in his hand. He put the ball in his hand. He put the ball in his hand. He shot. He made shot. He hung him. Six seconds. Six, six seconds. Michael Jackson, he hung in the air six seconds. I said, boy, get a life. Jesus Christ went up almost 2,000 years ago. He ain't come down yet. That's hang time. <laughs> ah, man. We are to be light. I don't care whether you're around professional athletes. I don't care if you're around professional entertainers. I don't care if you're around secular educators. I don't care if you're around politicians. I don't care where you are. God has positioned you as light. Stop fearing human beings and fear God. You say, oh, but, but, but they might not like me. They may call me names. Uh, I might lose my job. Um, you know, one of the problems with us today, people talking about the will of God, but they've taken suffering out of the will of God. I know God wouldn't want me to suffer. Now, I don't know what Bible you're reading. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, 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 some of y'all all twisted up in the head. Y'all uptight. You don't know what to do. You know what? I'm going to make life real simple for you. You don't know if this person's going to like you. You don't know what they're going to think of you, what they're going to say about you. I'll make life real simple for you. You can't please everybody, so just please the Lord and let him choose your friends. That's real simple. I only have one person I'm really concerned about. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as he's happy, I'm happy. You don't like me because you don't like him? It's all right. I'm from him. Listen. Light, you need, you, need, you need to be encouraged. You need to be emboldened. You need to be there. I'm, 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 I'm living my life for Christ. I don't listen to the pornography. I don't participate in the sin. I'm, I'm not a part of that crooked living. I'm living my life. God has positioned me here to be light. That's why I'm here. God has put us here. People always, I can't get it. Why do y'all spend all your time worrying about something? I wish I was born in a different generation. You only get come through once. You don't get a choice. So why burn the energy? No, I only come through once. I might as well enjoy it, right? And white people ask me sometimes, you ever wish you were, you were white? For what? <laughs> I mean, you go to the beach to look like me. <laughs> I'm the model, baby. Don't, don't mess that up. Why do we spend all this energy about things we can't change? Just sit down and thank God he made you who you are, gave you the experiences he gave you, and just live his light for the glory of God. Amen? That's all you got to do. Now, the nature of the light, the positioning of the light, wherever God and his sovereign has put you to have influence, you live it out. And then the purpose of the light. He says here, in verse 14, you're the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Purpose of the light, 
is to help people in darkness see. How does a Christian handle suffering? How does a Christian handle marriage? How does a Christian handle family? How does a Christian handle medicine? How does a Christian handle law? It go on and on and on. God wants them to see. He wants to put you on display. He wants them to look at you. And, and God is saying, no, I saved them by my grace. I indwelled them by the Spirit of God. They're living their life in dependency upon the Son of God as they're conformed to his image through the Word of God. The, the, the purpose, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works, not hear your good sermon. We need to proclaim, and I've got a message out there. We need to proclaim, but they need to see something because shabby living has silenced a lot of good preaching. They might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I never forget the time when I was pastoring in the D.C. area, and and um, a, a gentleman from our church's daughter, eighteen years of age, she she talked about stomach pains and and, and 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 couldn't hold food down. They took her to the doctor. They said she's got a virus, flu. Give her plenty of vitamin C, plenty of liquids, plenty of rest. They did that for a week. She didn't get better. She got worse. They took her to another doctor, another hospital, rather. They, Pulled together nine specialists, did a battery test on her, and then they brought everybody back together and said, we're sorry to inform you, your daughter has a very rare and aggressive form of cancer for which there's no known cure. I was a pastor at that time, probably about 30 years old. I went over to the hospital and walking down the corridor, saw the father sitting by his daughter's bedside. He saw me, he got up, walked out in the hallway, shut the door behind him. He met me, stuck his hand out and said, uh, Pastor, I'm praying for you. You don't know what to say. You come into a family with an 18-year-old daughter dying of cancer. I know you don't know what to say. I'm praying for you. His light was shining powerfully. In fact, the next few months, the young lady had to live in the hospital there and uh, her her life was so vibrant and people were visiting her. The director of the hospital said, I keep hearing about this girl. She's in denial. She doesn't know how sick she is. So they went down to her room and spent time with her. They came back and said, no, she's not in denial. It's her faith that's keeping her vibrant. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. My son let his light shine back in 1998. When I got a call, I was in Seattle, Washington area. I got a call, and, and my executive VP says, one of your children's been hurt, and they've taken him to the hospital. And he gave me the number. I called the hospital. And the nurse said, uh, your son has broken his neck. They're bringing him down the court, and now your wife, your, your wife is coming down. Do you want to talk to her? I said, yes. My wife got on the phone. She said, Matt's been hurt. It doesn't look good. They're transporting him to another hospital. i got to leave now. She hung up. The president of the seminary I was speaking at called the professors together. They prayed. Some pastors prayed. I got a 1 a.m. flight out. I was flying back to Indianapolis, and there in my seat, I was crying to the Lord and just saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. My son is physically disabled. I don't have enough money to take care of him. All I wanted to do was preach for you. I'll, I'll leave preaching. I'll take two or three jobs. I'll do what I have to do to take care of my son. And while I was sitting there crying, God reminded me. He said, Romans 12, 1 and 2, you, you gave me your life as a living sacrifice shortly after you were saved. Your job is to remain a living sacrifice. Matt, who broke his neck, was adopted. 
And, and God reminded me, I knew him before you knew him. I brought him into your home. And I've taken care of him for 16 years. I continue to take care of him. You just do what I tell you to do. There was a peace that flooded my heart. And, and, and then I went on. I got back to Indianapolis, went to the ICU unit with my son and my wife. And wasn't soon after that, somebody showed us a paper. Uh, Indianapolis Star, front page on the paper, my son's picture. And the caption is, young athlete injured but not his faith. The way that happened was when he got hurt, somebody caught the sports, uh, that news got out, so a sports writer came. By the time they got my wife, uh, she came, she drove up, he was on a stretcher, and they, and they, were, they were bringing him down on the stretcher, and she went running, and she was crying over her little son. He was, he was an athlete, now his neck is broken, and she's weeping and crying like a mama would, and, and, and he looked her straight in the eye, and he said, Mom, pull yourself together. Remember God's in control. And um, sports writer heard that. So he, it, he wrote an article, front page article. He was on the front page of the Annapolis Star again. He was in the Indiana Women's Magazine. He was, on, he was um, in, in Prison Fellowship Magazine. He was you know, some guy from Holland came and interviewed him and made a, a half-hour documentary off of his life. Um, uh, Billy Graham came there to preach the crusade. They used his testimony for the night they spoke to young people. I mean, they, it went far and wide. And in the church I was a part of at that time, they took up a Sunday night offering to help our family, $167,000, some business people. People got together and said, we're going to have a, we're going to have a, a dinner to raise money to help the wares take care of the continual expenses of their son. They took up $140,000, part of which was a brand new 1998 Dodge Caravan, totally handicapped, adapted. Some, some, some builders said, look at your house. You can, this house, all your bedrooms upstairs, it costs too much to try to convert this thing. You find a lot and, and we'll build your house at our cost, at or below our cost. We found a 10-acre lot. They built about a three 3,000 square foot uh, 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 home there. We moved in there by selling our other home and getting debt free. I, I want to tell you something. That's the power of a life. Let your light so shine. My son's response, people have been responding to that all over. In fact, shortly after he was injured, I was supposed to fly somewhere. My wife and I, she, he had some complications, so she wouldn't fly. I went to the airport and um, I said, the guy I checked in, he goes, oh, okay, it's two of us. No, my wife ain't coming. He said, oh, okay, that's going to be a $50 change, a fee, uh, price, and all this. And he went back, computer, he turned around and came back. He said, where? Was that your son in the paper? I said, yes, sir. That's why my wife can't make it. He said, oh, man, you got to be proud of him. He said, I'm waiving the fee. I'm putting you in first class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm talking about. Hey. Hey, I, I might claim the fame. But I want to tell you something. When we speak about that area, people listen because we've been through it. And it's the way we went through it. What I want to challenge you on this morning is simply this. Let your light so shine before me. L- listen, the nature of the light is the life you live. The character, godly character. Don't talk about Christianity. Live Christianity. The positioning of the light. Where's God put you? In school? At work? In your community? Where has he put you? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When people come along to present the gospel through their mouth, may they have a backdrop, namely your life. That people go, oh yes, I know what you're talking about. I worked with them, I played with them. 
I've done this and that with them. That's Christianity. Why are you here? Part of the reason you're here is to be light. You may be the only Jesus that some people meet. Represent him well. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. Thank you for this time together and how we do pray that the spirit of God might help us to submit ourselves to your transforming grace to mold us into the image of Christ that we might live our lives as light wherever you have put us. Help us to glorify you through the works that you create in us by your grace, for your glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen.